welcome to this podcast from Adelaide Place Baptist Church. We are a community of disciples, apprentices of Jesus, who live and work in the city of Glasgow, and it's our vision to join God in the renewal of all things. Our discipleship to Jesus is for all of our lives, so as well as listening to this podcast, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning or get involved in one of our missional communities, which are across the city throughout the week. Our prayer is that you encounter Jesus in some way through this podcast. More information can be found at apbc.net. Good afternoon. May I add my welcome? It's lovely to see you all. In these longer evenings, and it's this time of year, we all get a bit excited about the time of daylight. Um, this week we are we're looking at uh, this text of Psalm 1 and over the weeks that lie ahead we are going to begin a new, um, I guess, series as we step into the season of Lent, um, which uh, the, the focus in our readings and our text over the Lenten period is going to be around the theme of solitude and prayer. Um, so just looking, it's a topic but we'll be looking at specific texts over that time that just deal with different types of prayers, of um, a whole range of types of prayers uh, in the Bible um, to make all of our prayer life a whole lot better. So we're going to fix that over the next uh, couple of months, but in the container of uh, the practice of solitude. Um, so that will frame the context on prayer. And the, the, the hope through that is we'll find a way, a ramp on for, from the person who's got like I don't know, all the time in the world for the person who feels like they got like a minuscule amount of time. We're, we're going to try and hit ramps on to solitude and prayer for, for everybody um, through that season because we think it's really important. Um, but the theme of, of this week today um, kind of came to emerge really from uh, looking at the, I, I read the lectionary daily readings at the minute. And one of the themes that came up over the daily readings in the last week or so was the theme of like the dedicated life of devotion in God's word. Um, it wasn't based on Psalm 1, but it was based on Psalm 119, which is a huge psalm about just um, a life that is devoted, uh, a dedicated life um, that is based around God's word. And so we're going to think about that um, this afternoon through the lens of uh, the I'd say beautiful um, and well-known Psalm 1. The premise of uh, this sermon is that there is something about our happiness or our fruitfulness in our lives that will be visible in a world that is deeply connected to our life of devotion, uh, particularly our devotion to God's Word. There's, there's something about our fruitfulness and our well-being, our happiness that is, is deeply connected. And I think this, the Psalms are an excellent place to come and refresh, uh, lift our heads, um, enlarge our vision to what the worship and life looks like uh, before God. And in, in, in general, in the book of Psalms, there's, there's obviously quite a lot going on. These collections of poems and prayers and songs that were the people of Israel's um, liturgy and worship in the temple, um, a whole array of collection from ones written by people we don't know to ones written, lots written by David, and that were edited together and in, to, in such a way that tell their own story. The book of Psalms is, is edited into five different books, five different sections, um, a bit like the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. So 
the authors are, are telling a bit of a story in the way that the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of our Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, um, tells the story of, well, what Eden lost and how is it going to be recovered? And there's a sense in the Psalms, they turn, tell their own story of this predominance of lament uh, throughout the, the huge majority of the book of Psalms towards the end of the book of Psalms, which is the book of praise and celebration. It's this movement of lament to praise. And the theme of, well, how are we going to get there? It's not all going to be easy. And this hope throughout the book of Psalms and how it range of that, a messianic hope of someday a king who's going to come and be installed in the throne. So even the way the book of Psalms are, are, are arranged, it kind of inducts us again to, into this story that we've been thinking of in the Old Testament in Genesis of this flow of lament uh, to praise. Um, so there's a sense of where we begin in, in Psalm 1. It's a bit like a, a Garden of Eden moment again of the ordered life of God's good intention. But I say all that preamble to point that it's not going to be an easy ride to hold it and, and to get there. But Psalm 1 shows us that the dedicated life is a blessed life. And the word we have at the start of Psalm blessed is, there's there's different words for it. The one chosen uh, in this uh, Psalm is a non-liturgical word. So it's not located in the place of a worshiping context. It's a liturgy, if you like, a liturgy of the ordinary. It's a word that has its root in the Hebrew of ordinary life. And so when it says blessed, it's not thinking about a big service gathered in a temple place. It's thinking about the sort of happy, fruitful life that is lived in on all our areas of our life, lived out in our ordinary rhythms. And it means this blessedness, this blessed life is a happy life. Not so I'm always happy and just, you know, a big smile, a big cheesy smile on my face. Not that sort of happy, but the sort of happiness that is a, a fruitfulness, a, a depth, a sincerity, a, a satisfying life, a meaningful life that springs up in a devotion to God through all sorts of different seasons. That's the happy, blessed life that we find talked about here. And it has in its vision the ordinary life, the lived out life, not just the life of being in the temple together. Um, my guess is that even speaking about this dedicated life, a lot of us, um, a lot of the time, will feel quite far off where we might want to be in that. And I want us to avoid, even at the get-go, just avoiding creating a sense of unnecessary guilt of striving over an ideal life that is always chasing us of finally someday I'm going to sort out my dedicated life and I'll be all it can be. I want us to avoid unnecessary idealism and guilt but I also want us to avoid pushing aside just an ache for more an ache for for more of God's life flowing through us. I, I would love us to embrace that I would love us to go like, like whatever the marks out of 10 we give ourselves for, the state of our dedicated life, like just, let's not go easy on the marks out of 10 thing and let's go like, like let's just welcome a sense of a, a, a hunger for this happy, satisfying, fruitful, meaningful life that pervades everything. So three words to help us just to linger for this afternoon on this what I think is an invitation in Psalm 1. And the, the first word is immersion. In the first instance, there is a negative warning in 
the psalm, which I will summarise as an instruction not to immerse oneself in a compromised culture. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. It's, first of all, an immersion of avoidance. Avoid being immersed in a compromised uh, culture. The commentators will rightfully note and point out the progression that we find in these first, uh, this first verse where we have, the, first of all, the worshipper told not to walk in step with the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit. So that there's a progression there of getting immersed in a culture that is influencing you for the wrong. So there's a walking, a standing, and then there's a needy, I'm sitting in the wrong sort of thing and in the wrong sort of culture. And, and here, this, in this invitation to the blessed life, there is a, a warning not to immerse yourselves in something that takes away. Like, don't answer this question, but I, I, in your mind, I, I, I'm curious of um, what is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Or the first thing that you do when you, you sit on a, a bus or a train? Now, maybe I'm just particularly unholy, but it usually involves a, and it's not just for an alarm clock, it's, there's a check, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I, I track my thoughts on the on the bus this week, heading into the office, as I do occasionally. And I was uh, I was on Twitter, and I, I seen this thing, and I was like, this comment from a, a theologian guy I follow, and he was talking about uh, he had this phrase about theobros, and I was like, wonder if this is a theobro? And I was like, uh, so then my mind started ticking over, ticking over theobros, and thought, of course, it's like. Googling, what's a Theobro? And Google, oh, a Theobro. A Theobro is like a, a conservative Christian guy who, who likes to defend theology and quite ardently and opinionated and all this stuff, Theobro. But, uh, and then I went into the office, started talking about Theobros with my Theobros, and then I, <laughs> now I'm talking about it um, here. And the, I was just like, uh, isn't that funny? I, I just tracked that train of thought, and you might argue a really pointless train of thought, from just looking at something and finding a whole amount of time and energy taken towards something and going like, this is what happens, isn't it? We are immersed in a culture. And what you could apply, and rightfully you will be able to think of this in lots of different ways about sitting or standing in places that are just not good for you and take you away. But I think obviously one of the big battles that we all face, whatever age, not just Gen whatever, Zs and whatever they all are, all of us, your parents are the worst, for just being immersed in our minds that then just dominate our thought, that takes our time, that takes us in a direction. So... I sort of maybe maybe it should read it shouldn't but maybe in some ways it should read like blessed is the one who does not wake up and look at their phone or stand in the queue doom scrolling or sits reading the comments of theobros or influencers maybe maybe, maybe there's something of a, a a first port of call in this blessed life of not immersing ourselves in something that pulls us away now of course a christian is to be fully in this world 
okay? Like, as we are ones who follow the incarnate Christ, a Christian would say that, and so that means we are to be fully in this world, fully for our neighbor, fully engaged online and on all the platforms that are useful to be on. So it's not a move of avoidance or withdrawal that is required, and if you're in the world of IT, then you should stay in that and develop it. That's all good. This is more of discernment, of wisdom, of an order that is healthy and good. It's a no to going just with the dominant flow of a culture that pulls you away from the ordered life, symbolized here as a life orientated towards God, the dedicated life. And so if there's an immersion, there's a no to being immersed in in things that pull us away, but we need counter strategies that are word related. And, and what we have offered is, in verse two, is about those who delight, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That's what we are to be immersed in. That's what starts to allow the life to flow in and, and, and through us. And so, in the first instance, we need, we need some strategies, at least. Uh, we need a, a, a framework for the fruit of what God wants to do in our life to take shape for this, this word life that he wants, that he has graced us to have to connect with him. We need, we need strategies and, and counter, to counter the, the immersion in, in whatever else. And so I, I would, I'd offer a bit like this. And here, here could be four different um, aspects to immersion in, in the word and I, I don't offer this I, I hesitate because on the one hand this is probably my preference and so I don't want you to think well if that's how you do it if that's how he does that must be how it's done and I also don't want you to think I do it particularly well so so I, with some hesitation just I, for me I think there's something about an immersion of that is about an attentiveness to the the public reading of scripture in the place of worship I I, I think that is, a, I think that's become radical in these days to go to church and go to church. I'm going to just be humble and I'll say it relatively regularly. I've not got to put a holiness star on how often you're, you know, I think this is becoming a, a radical thing to, to go to church, to hear the scriptures read, to hear um, somebody gather and, and speak and preach from the word of God. I, th- I think that is a, a good strategy, a necessary strategy to um, attend to uh, the word of God and his life that he wants to do in and through us. I think there's something as well about having a personal devotion of immersion and, and rhythm. And, and here we're treading into nice because if somebody names one way of doing it that works for them, we all think, oh, I can't do that. But for me, uh, at the minute, it's the lectionary daily readings. And I, I, in my happiest place, I have something daily that's there, at least it's there to remind me what I've not done or what I could do. And also for me, I like to have a sense of study in a book in a bit more depth. So like, that's kind of just where I land with it. I like to have something popping up, coming at me. And I like to have something that I'm really just chewing over and going a bit deeper on. And, and for me, the personal battle is to siphon out what's, what's work and what's, what I have to do and what do I want to do. You know, there's, so there's particular challenges that come with somebody in my line of work. Um, so, but, but it, but, there needs to be a, 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 a something. There needs to be a strategy that says, look, there's, 
a, a, a personal devotion and rhythm. And I, I think the other element I would add to that is a shared word ministry. Like when, when the scriptures talk about the words of Christ dwelling among us, there's something at its best whenever they are popping up in conversation, formal, informal. That, that I think is just really, really healthy whenever there's a sense of the conversations have a, a word-based depth to them and that can take lots of different shapes and forms. And also just the literal sense of when the psalmist talks about meditating, it gives the idea of filling our minds and chewing over just the happy place of just sometimes reading until you get something and just meditate on it and chew over it or chew over an attribute or an idea. These are all ways we... We just start to track. This system is perfectly game to immerse ourselves unless we give ourselves a firm no and, and, and also a firm structure to moments where we get to embrace a life that, that God wants to bring. So the first word is immersion. And the second is, we've already touched on it in verse two, is delight. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord. There is no sense here of a dry legalistic relationship to the law of the Lord. The psalmist models delight, and if you just, it's a, it's a refrain that's um, repeated, and if you want to see it uh, in the nth degree, you just read Psalm 119, where it's got lots of refrains like, I delight in your decrees, I will not neglect your word. Your statutes are my delight, they're my counselors. And it goes on. So there's just absolutely no sense of a sort of dry, heady, oughts and shoes, legalistic relationship to the law of the Lord. Now, sometimes I think the semantics of law doesn't really translate too well in maybe in a Western concept of law. When the law is for the, the Torah, the, um, which is what the, the people of God then would um, be their, their scriptures. And the Torah, it, it could be most simply translated for us as instruction or teaching. So laws give the idea of just rules. Now, it, there are rules or commands, but the, in the Torah, the instruction, the teaching, the, the semantics of it are, in the area would be way broader than just a list of do's and don'ts. It speaks of a way of life that is beautiful to them because delight in the law of the Lord was ultimately delight in Yahweh, in his ways, in who he was. And so, in some ways, jump as, as to Christians as we read that all the more we are delighting in the revealed written word which in some ways is ultimately delighting in the word made flesh Jesus Christ and it's a delight in the teachings of Jesus the, the, and the righteous are lovers of God from the heart they're recipients of his grace and they're moved to the dedicated life by the work of this king it's, it's a work of Delight. I had a situation this week as a parent. It was one of those alarm bells were ringing situation. I was running late for school and um, the youngest wasn't really up for getting out of bed. And um, it, 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 the, the clock was ticking and I knew the other two would get there in, in time. And literally, I had a choice. I thought, I am going to go mental here and I'm going to get him to bed. And then, I, but I, just, I just knew it wasn't going to work this week. So then... I had this idea. I saw um, pancakes sitting downstairs. And so I thought, I'm going to do breakfast in bed for this um, young six-year-old who's finding today difficult. So, um, so pancake one got him from 
supine to <laughs> sitting up, um, which is a, a progress. Pancake two, uh, got him dressed. And pancake three, got him out the door, eating it off to school. And I make that point because whether or not you judge my parenting skills of good or bad, um, you can talk to me later about that. But there, there, there are moments where you realize, like, I can bring the discipline, I can do that, I will do that, and it's necessary. Like, there was a backup plan, you're going to school even if it's in your pajamas. That would have been taken. But discipline only goes so far. I, like, the, the, the light was, in this case, I proved we made the bell just about, and, you know, pancake wafting under his nose, it just brought him to life. And there's something about delight that is, is, is way more effective, <laughs> way more powerful. Than, than just the rules and the oughts and shoulds, which are necessary and important part and accompaniment to that. But the psalmist here knows that their relationship to this dedicated life flows. Their, their, whole, their whole posture towards God ultimately is, is delight because he is good. He is worth it. And, 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 and I, well, I don't understand. I, I, you know, it's, it's filled with admiration and, and responsiveness that is ultimately based on that. The picture here is someone enthralled and in wonder. And the early church would recite the, well, they didn't have nicely printed Bibles yet, so they would just recite the, the Sermon on the Mount or the teachings of Jesus just to, to keep it before the mind, to immerse themselves into it and to delight. This is beautiful, this way of justice, this way of peace, this way of mercy, this way where the, the, the least, the last are brought in equality. They, you know, they, they brought these things because this, they saw this as a more beautiful way of life, not just as a, a list of things to do. So it's about immersion and it's about delight that then leads to what we find here of uh, this fruitfulness which we see described in the rest of the psalm. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season, and a leaf that does not wither. Whatever they do, they prosper. It's a picture of somebody that, that ultimately says the word of God is not just this um, creed that we adhere to. The word of God is, first of all, a revelation of a person who wants to come into our lives and transform our lives and change us into a different type of person. This Sunday, in the, the readings in the church calendar um, are, are about the, the story of the transfiguration. Um, so I wanted to make a connection to the transfiguration of Jesus that is recorded in Matthew's gospel and some of the sort of theological implications of that. Um, I'll not start sermon number two, but the, the, the basic message of the, the transfiguration as Jesus leads a couple of his disciples up the mountain and is suddenly transfigured before them. The word is metamorphy, which, um, which, which means a complete cha a change of, of state. And there, there's something that they see. Um, like people sometimes go, like, how does the, the Jesus in the, in, we have in the book of Revelation, the glorious one, compared to the ordinary Jesus we have in the Gospels? And, and some answer to that is, well, actually, here we get a glimpse of this human Jesus who they knew and walked and ate fish with and shared life with. They see in a glimpse that there was a glory, that this was the God-man. This, this was fully God, fully man. They've they seen something of a glory that was utterly mesmerizing and worth it 
But here's the thing also by the transfiguration, the same word is used in sections where Paul picks up of being uh, not conformed, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. And um, in, in 1 Corinthians, I think it is, where we're all being transformed into one state of glory to the next. It's the same word. And so there's a sense here of a reminder that the invitation is to look upon the glory of Jesus, to delight in him, but also within that, step into this process of change and allow the word to work in and through us so that we are changed from one state to the next, from glory to glory. And so, the, the, the word, and this is a picture here of this word that is just, it goes in deep that we get rooted in and we yield a fruit. We don't wither. It doesn't mean life goes the way we think it's going to go, but we produce fruit in and out of seasons, the, the sad times, the happy times. And the, in a sense, we, as we look at Christ, are transfigured by his grace, by his beauty, by his, his love for us. And so we need to turn away from compromise. We need to turn away from the big alarming doors of compromise when they come knocking. And sometimes they are big and dramatic and car crash moments of life going off in a horrible direction. Morally sometimes, sometimes it's just things that happen. We need to close the door on those. We also need to just close the door on lots of little things that just back to the phone just that eat away at our, our our focus our energy our life it's a chance for the Theo bros if there's anything in that who, who think we own the world of ideas and theology just to humbly accept the word of God is not a weapon to, to use against people it's meant to be a word that produces beauty and fruit and an attractive life first and foremost that doesn't mean we downplay truth at all but it does mean that our posture ultimately is, is a word that bears uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And we just say no to all the little things. But it's a discipline and it's an invitation to a dedicated life that is fueled by delight in the tenderness of God, his beauty, the goodness of his ways, his character of truth, of light, of grace, of mercy, of patience and justice and ultimately as we stare and gaze at the one who is love, as we gaze at Christ, the the dedicated life then becomes the blessed life as our gaze is fixed on him. And the warning that we have, I guess, from this psalm is, is just a wasted life that evaporates away, lacks longevity, it's just blown away because well we didn't go after weighty things we went after something that we could generate ourselves. when all the while there was an invitation to come to the source of life and to know him and to have him work in and through us and so there's a tremendous invitation to the dedicated life so here's what I want us to do then which is to picture this tree maybe picture and when you see trees in this week which you will do because they're everywhere is when you see these trees see them as reminders to this dedicated life this ordered life and every time we we do so we find little ways to ponder Jesus whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy 
Think about such things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Are we a bit sick sometimes of the half-baked Christian life? The invitation is to enter into the life of Christ. A dedicated life as we gaze upon him and the God of peace will be with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just in this uh, moment, I guess just particularly aware of how many invitations we are bombarded with from so many different directions every minute of every day that are promising life and often just don't deliver anywhere near it. And, And here we have a very simple invitation to accept the implanted word, the, the words of Jesus, the, his gospel, to say that he is the one of offers life in its fullness and has revealed himself in your word. Spirit who loves to shed light on the glory of Jesus. Forgive us for... Um, settling for lots of little things and, or big compromises. Give us a, a, a deeper ache to, to be that tree, to be that tree that is almost immovable because we're so deeply rooted in your love. Help us with this, God, because it it's, can get really difficult. It can get really motivating whenever we sometimes see our progress or lack thereof but Lord once again would you with the the sense of your delight awaken us Lord we pray Spirit Lord we need you to awaken us to to delight in Jesus and humbly help us to position ourselves for you to work here right here and right now we pray in the name of Jesus our Lord Amen.